0: this is space cats peace turtles the unofficial podcast for fantasy flights twilight imperium episode 65
1: the tournament begins
0: music by ben prunty featuring matt martins and hunter donaldson
1: Alright, cool. Well, uh, here we are again, not in the again. same place a- I miss anymore. You.
0: I miss you. I miss my friend I- Hunter.
1: I actually got to a point where I kind of now prefer it this way, you know, because you're just a little box, and like, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm more, you know, free to, to just let everything dangle, you know.
0: Right. Well, so much of your life now is in front of a webcam for small children. So That's true. That's just true. Like, just like me, your small yeah. child who you teach yeah. Twilight Imperium to. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> that is that. All I am doing is teaching people via webcam. Um, <laughs> So the tournament started. The tournament started. Now. We did
0: it. We're one game down. I would have liked to have gotten two games done last weekend, but, you know, it's, we're, we're learning how to schedule this as we kind of go. So I don't think getting this question a lot because we've been talking about this uh, on the, the podcast here and there. Um, I, I am sending out emails to schedule your games kind of as we go. So, so don't freak out if you're in the tournament, but you haven't gotten an email yet for like what day you're playing. Those are still kind of rolling out gradually rather than like one big wave. I'm trying to get to the point where I can send out a big wave, but I'm not there. And since I wanted to get games done, we're kind of just like I'm really only like a week or a week and a half ahead of each game. So, again, don't freak out if you are if you're waiting on your email for a game. Um but also, there's a few people who haven't sent me their availability, and I can't make a schedule if I don't know when you're available. Uh, you're gonna so get in trouble. You're gonna you. get in trouble. You. Uh, so no, 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 no. Just check your email. Um, and I might send out another one here in the next couple of days just to get people to, uh, to let me know when they're free, so we can we can get some of these things moving. But Hunter, you were there for a little bit of the game, um, right? I did. I did, you, I did I see some of it. Why did you have to? Well, leave?
1: well, well. Before we, t- well, I had to leave because uh, my mom pulled an audible with her birthday. Kind of a brilliant <laughs> move. Like my mom's birthday is in is uh on the ninth, uh, which is Of February. Not, yeah, no, of January, no, of January. Right, well, of January. Should, okay, okay. Uh, and what what day was it? Like the sixth? Or no, the fifth. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the fifth. Um, and we hadn't, we hadn't talked about what we were going to do about that. And my mom just kind of was like, let's do my birthday tomorrow. And I was like, well, oh, well, all right with that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was mommy's birthday and mommy got her way. Um, and, and also I, I'm, I'm, it's weird that I didn't mention this right, right off the bat. I literally like just got home. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm I'm forcing
0: Hunter to record this episode. Like the moment he got home to Portland.
1: Yeah, like, uh-huh. I basically got home, threw my luggage on the floor, had to, had to, like, dig through and throw all my clothes everywhere. They were all, like, folded neatly, and now they're just everywhere. Uh, so I could <laughs> get out, home. you know. Ah,
0: uh, good. Settled again. Right. Clothes right.
1: everywhere. And I had to get all my gear out, and now here I'm just doing this. Which, by the way, uh, I, I took, uh, it was a flight out of Kansas City to Salt Lake City and then Salt Lake City to Portland. Uh-huh. Fartiest, fartiest, fartiest flight I've ever been on. <laughs> Just I don't know who it was, and I was trying to find him the whole time. Was it you? It, I mean, uh, people always say, you know, he who smelt at Delta, I swear I swear on everything <laughs> that it was not me, and I wanted to find them, and I wanted to hurt them, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, and I was stuck on the second flight, uh, me and me and my girlfriend did not get seats together. So, I had to sit in between these two strange boys, and I bet it was them just <laughs> farting in between just farting at me uh It was disgusting uh but the, yeah, the tournament, whatever it was fine it was a good it was a good start um a lot of weird already uh at, already I feel like the the tournament I don't think is gonna go as we expected no. as far as like i think everything All of the like, I almost was afraid that the tournament was just going to be everything was going to be super consistent and almost like we've 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 kind of watched the same
0: game a hundred times. Right, right. But times
1: they already did stuff that I was like, oh, they shouldn't do that. That's weird. And then they (laughs) and then they did stuff. So let's talk about it. Yeah, I don't
0: don't know about I wouldn't say shouldn't in every case. But yeah, today's episode is going to be talking about some of that game um, I, I promise every episode going forward will not just be recaps of episodes. But again, Hunter spent literally the whole day traveling and, and the, you know, the past couple of day, And you still get el- an episode. Yeah, there's not much so. else to episode about uh, this week uh, besides this game because it's kind of been the only thing on my mind since it happened. Um, right. So, yeah, let's let's talk about that game and let's start off with some of the weirdest things that happen, namely uh, the draft. Right was just already really I mean, kind of crazy to me.
1: Well, there were two things they did that were really strange. Uh, they nominated, like, Jolnar did not get banned, basically. No. Yeah,
0: Jolnar didn't get a- banned.
1: Right after we had just had an episode saying that they were the best right. faction, period, and right. all be-all, they're yeah. like, no, nah, no, nah, they're not a big deal, just throw them in, whatever. Um, it's, and Winu, I guess, also got drafted. I don't even remember that. Well, yeah,
0: Winu got drafted as a last thing, and it was kind of like a, well, screw the rest of this draft, and I didn't, you know, the other thing was, like, another powerful faction. I don't know if it was L1 or what, but it was kind of like, well, I'd rather just nobody pick Winu than make it possible for, it was a really weak draft, except for Jolnar, and Mm -hmm. Nalu, Nalu was also in there, but the rest of it, I mean, it was Mentak and Arborek, uh, Ghosts and Extra. So right. relatively weak on the drafting side as far as the factions are considered. Um, and, and actually, I talked to um, uh, the, the Arborek player who I... Be- no, it was, it was Alex, the Extra player, I believe, that nominated Jolnar and put them into the final pool. And he actually had an interesting uh, argument. No, it wasn't Alex. I, uh, excuse me. It was our Arborek player, um, Ian. Um, right because I think Ian, whoever it was one of those two said they knew they (laughs) said they knew they wanted probably Arborek and um, they they wanted to get the 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 heat off of them so they wanted they wanted an obvious target for everyone to be against so they Mm -hmm. as Arborek could kind of cruise the first two rounds which I think is brilliant especially like considering that there was the danger there their neighbor was Mentak and if Mentak had like gotten around one cruise or two and just like they could have decimated an Arborek early. So so the 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 practicality of that was was very real. Um, and so I, I actually think it was a pretty good pick on their part. I mean, yes, it's dangerous. You're allowing Jolnar into the game. But as long as the group is kind of smart enough, they'll they'll take care of Jolnar. And that keeps you out of the limelight.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you're, you're hoping that the meta of the table is going to shape a certain way, and that's right. always a really hard thing to predict. It's a gamble. Uh, but can we, can we give a roster of who, who was it that was playing, and who yeah. did they play as? Uh,
0: we, we played with... Uh, I'm going to use the real names. Um, also, uh, I, I guess before we go any further, um, because th- this has been relatively spoiler-free, um, the game will be up on YouTube. Um, it there's kind of we're having some technical difficulties with YouTube and a few other things, so it won't be up when this episode posts. So if you're wanting to watch the game before you listen, uh, just wait a couple days. Uh, it should be up before the end of the week if you want to watch. Uh, the game now it's only going to end up being the second half of the game again because of kind of a few more technical difficulties this is our first game recording and and there was a lot of things to iron out um so we we lost some of the game no big deal we're gonna get uh we're gonna get more in the future so just wait a couple days for that game to go uh online but from here on out spoilers this is your spoiler warning for the rest of the game or uh, the rest of the episode, uh, we we will be going in detail about this game and declaring who the winner is and everything. Um, yeah. So we had Mike and Ian and Robert and Alex, and we had uh, Monty and Jensen. Um, so any for for those of you on like the Discord, uh, Monty is a is a Goodian Brotherhood member. Jensen is of course Chills on Hills, Jensen. Uh, who's always lurking on the Discord. Uh, Ian was a, was a subplant. We, we, we lost we Oh, wow, player. yeah, I forgot about and that. That was No Big Deal Man, uh, who is uh, in the Steve Martin fan club. And then Bandman 4, Mike, is another Goodian Brotherhood. So this was kind of a star-studded cast of players uh, in this right. very first game. Um, uh, can, we, can we say what we did with No, D- no Big Deal Man? Yeah, we, go, we, we, you go we, right ahead. We,
1: we had someone that had to drop... Uh, because they were having connection issues. Right. Which it was like, God, first first game and already we're running into like this type of deal. Right. Uh, and then we saw that he was about to play a casual game. Um, uh, in the t- the twilight imperium discord the tts one right and uh we just popped in it and just took him <laughs> we just stole him from yeah. another game i was trying um, to
0: direct message him and he wasn't responding so i literally just jumped into their voice chat and said hey no big deal man check your direct messages i need to talk to you real quick and uh all the players in that game uh, were very mad at me rightfully so uh they had been searching for a player for like an hour Right. Uh, to, to finish out their game but never fear hunter spent like the next 45 minutes or however long it took uh to help try to find them another player and i think you yeah but i d- i i didn't i didn't do it though they you just weren't part of the solution it. yeah well, no. he tried. <laughs> but i tried
1: I, I worked really hard yeah hunter i asked... tried to
0: fix my terrible meanness and right uh, and so yeah we stole a player from a, a different game uh, who was signed up for the tournament and uh, got him in there. So we had our six player game and got through the draft with Mike as Nalu. Uh Jensen was first and Jensen got to pick Jolnar. If you know Jensen, it's all like we already know Jensen's a strong player, really good at meta table talk and then he ends up with Jolnar. Um uh very close to being able to pick Ghosts for Jensen, which is notoriously his favorite faction, but he he ignored Ghosts because I mean, when you can pick Jonar, you probably right. should pick Jolnar. Uh, right. We had Alex as Excha, Ian as the Arborek, Robert as the Mentak, and Monty as the Ghosts of Creus. So that was our, those were our six factions. Uh, the other thing of note in that whole drafting process, Slice of the Gashlight, which everyone kind of gripes about being the best uh, Slice, was the second to last pick. Right. Uh, Nalu got to end up in the slice of the Gashly as the second to last uh, pick, which was which is really interesting to me. Um, dangerously close to a Joel Nar in the slice of the Gashly, which I don't know if that's good or not. Maybe Joel Nar is like the worst person to end up in slice of the Gashly because the tech specs are are less right, useful. You, you don't
1: need two tech specs, um, and and Joel NAR doesn't really specifically have a command counter problem. So right. Aaron Amir is not really like solving Crazy anything useful, for you. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, um. So what what slices did everybody end up with? Can we can we do that? We we sure. had an extra we had an extra in dangerous in Diplo. dangerous
0: Diplo that was fun. Uh, Joel NAR was in the um dairy Dari- slice. slice. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Socreus was in big and tight. Uh, Arborek was in little and tight, which I thought was really interesting. Arborek had like an uh, I believe an early pick. Uh, and and went with specifically with little and tight. Uh, I think mostly because they wanted Abyss Freya. Uh, I mm-hmm. think they knew going into it that it's like I need those fast resources. Um, right. So I, I I think that was a was a pretty good pick on their part. And then Mentak was in fast and cultured. Um. So. Pretty good rounding. I, I don't know. Analysis wise, I, I don't know that any of the slices are especially great for any of those factions besides, you know, extra and dangerous diplo. That's kind of a, a, a noteworthy synergy. But everything else, you know, I I don't see anything valuable for Mentak being in Fast and Cultured. Um, Ghosts and Big and Tight, I mean, I, they get to skip a green, which is nice. You know, they, they yeah. can just get that infantry too a little bit faster. But beyond that. There's no, you know, the wormholes aren't especially close. You have to get out to to Quan just to get their wormhole started. So I don't know. I I didn't go into this game thinking any particular player was in a slice that felt overpowered for their faction. It just felt like, okay. I guess this is going to be kind of a standard lower tier faction game.
1: Right. Well, with the exception of extra extra picking. With extra extra
0: getting Dangerous Diplo, that was like the only exception right right um, um and so what ha- an exception it was <laughs> because uh hunter's favorite thing happened so oh, yeah uh alex uh as the extra player uh was first pick they were the speaker and it was a first pick diplo game um hunter tell me tell me how that felt <laughs> uh i mean
1: like I, I mean, I just feel the same way I feel about it every time, uh, which is that it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, I yeah I, I I yeah I really I was I I just get so confused by that play, yeah. uh, and a lot of people secondaried. Uh, we saw a right. lot, like a, it kind of shaped the round. It was I feel a
0: like. weird round one, and, I, and yeah, and I, for it, sure. Like, This isn't a defense for taking Diplo early, um, but one of the side effects of getting Diplo early is people sometimes really misplay round one because they they don't think about that the fact that they need to do the secondary. If if they want to do the secondary at Diplo, that's like another command counter they need to worry about. And if they're not the tech player and they're not the the warfare player, that can become a problem. And even if you do have one of those two, timing everything out can get a little bit tricky so then you start to try to make deals to control the timing and it was a very weird round one um, yeah all things considered
1: yeah and what so so you know and when when the first uh when the speaker picks diplomacy it shifts everything down yeah and basically everybody gets a pretty solid pick round one
0: then. right What what was um, something fun to point out uh, after the fact, I believe it was Jensen said if Diplo gets picked first, which I mean, this is the only time it's like ever going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Right. Diplo should not really get picked first. But if it does get picked first, leadership becomes a like way, way, way more valuable pick. Right. Right. I mean, the idea of getting three more command counters where you'll definitely be able to do tech, definitely be able to do warfare. Yeah. Definitely right, be able right. to do Diplo. Like leadership the main thing with leadership is it's usually like what third or fourth pick uh depending on the objectives and then if diplo gets picked it's pick sixth so it's not like you can plan leadership to specifically use on diplo but in this game i mean if when diplo gets taken right away there's a pretty good argument for like well i'm gonna grab leadership because i'm gonna be able to do a lot round one if i take leadership also, you'll be able to, uh, this is such a silly thing to just to note, but uh,
1: in this situation, you would be able to like be, you could pick and choose planets from two different systems to right. to refresh. Like right. if they're going to diplo right away, you can be like, I'm going to grab this over here, and this right. over here. You get two
0: systems that you could invade. If you're a 2C4I faction, right. you can have your pick of a litter and, and have a crazy round. Right yeah so that's that 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 was pretty wild and i
1: i have to admit i was pretty uh i was fairly annoyed uh by it uh but i that is that is not to say that the player that did it um did not know what they were doing right because uh they certainly they certainly did i mean we'll yeah. get to that but uh but they definitely they definitely were not um a bad player but no. it was just crazy and then the whole round i felt like the whole first round. I felt like everybody was really thrown off by yeah. that, and there were they, there was a lot of like weird kind of like people trying to take advantage of 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 diplomacy being in play, right. but like sometimes they would misplay, or they were like really trying to come up with a lot of crazy stuff for yeah, round yeah. one. There was
0: also a huge focus on setting up trade networks more than anything. Right. like it right. felt like people were more wanting to establish trade partners than they were wanting to like expand efficiently there was way more talk above the table about that of like okay well i'm gonna make sure i get my cruiser over there and if you do diplo at this timing and my cruiser's over there then i can get you this many trade right right. it's just like oh my gosh we're piling so many extra things onto this round one when just like just get your expansion done and get your trade next round. Like it it felt excessive in how much people were trying to kind of make all of this round one stuff work. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it, it, it shifted
1: the meta a little bit for the first round to where it did. Like I felt so, I mean, I remember when the game started, uh, when we got to round two, I was basically like Jensen is just having the best time. Right. He was, he was Jolnar and he was in Darien slice and, um, extra was speaker in dangerous diplo meaning that he picked last round right, one right so i was thinking going into it i was like well jensen has jolnar but he's picking last round one and there might be a lot of meta against him right and that did not seem to really be the case no, at all nobody so, was
0: thinking about jolnar round one yeah we w- we went into round two thinking well J- jolnar just got off easy considering they were picking last like this is right. best case scenario for Jolnar picking last,
1: right? So, so Jolnar picked uh, politics uh, last right. round one, and then politics into for round two, uh, trade. Yeah, and which I didn't just, expect trade, but
0: but Boyd well, I Denson mean, what's do some work with? Yeah, trade. once you saw
1: what he was going to do with it, uh, it was pretty magnificent. Um, what was the like? I mean, there was a lot of dealing, um, and we it was a really good test of our ability to moderate. Right. Um, because the those timing windows are so important for right. discussing trade, and a lot of people um, in their in their groups, I mean, we do it. Lots of people yeah. have kind of a wobbly understanding of the window for each particular um, like event and action. Right. So, uh, yeah, like Jensen basically negotiated with like the entire table, and his like, I. I feel like uh, I have it somewhere. I have it. I've got it right here. Yeah, so Uh, what...
0: what... Jensen, in the middle, or uh, as soon as all this dealing was done, he private messaged me just outside of the game to say, did I just flip trade, get six trade goods, two ceasefires, two political secrets, and give up only eight trade goods to the board? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he made bank, and um, it was completely... Completely insane uh, to, right. to see all the weird wheeling and dealing he was doing. And more importantly, just to see the table op- offer these things up. I mean, he, w- he was convincing people to get into bidding wars with each other over like two trade goods, over peanuts, over nothing. Right. Um, and it, I mean, it was we were getting angry in, at, at our <laughs> commentary desk. We were like, why are they doing? Well, they're just handing because we were already coming off the back of like, well, Joan R's going into round two very strong. And then he was like gifted a golden platter full of just everything he could ever want and dream of.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild to see. Uh, He did, he did a really interesting uh, move that I feel like I don't see people do that often, but every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, I should do this more. Um, Where he basically, he made offers with too many people. Like he, um, it's hard to describe because I can't remember the exact situation, how it played out, but basically it was like, he only had two trade goods left to trade. Yeah. And there was two people that he had talked to about trading those with. Yeah. And he was like so you're going to offer so you've offered me this and you've offered me this and he's basically forcing them to right. acknowledge each other's deal right. and possibly up the ante. It was right. like really it was great. It was really yeah, it's, really. It's cool. like a
0: timing attack of trade negotiations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was. Uh, and, and not really to mention, he, he's
0: very audacious, uh, which it just proves you should. Th- this is how you should behave. Which is for me, he was asking things of people that I would never ask for. I mean, at one point, and I think it was round one, he was like, "Well, Mike, I mean, for two trade goods, you could give me gift of the prescience, yeah, and I'll right, lose promise know." Right. Which is like, are you? That's absolutely insane. That doesn't make any sense under no circumstances would anyone ever do that and it's almost an insult to ask it but it's almost like you ask too much then when you come back to still too much but like not as crazy as you were you seem reasonable so you go hey well i'll give you two trade goods if you give me gift of the prescience and they go what are you crazy and then you go okay what about for your support for the throne and they're like that's still too much and they're like okay how about your ceasefire and they're like well okay okay (laughs) Which two trade goods for a ceasefire is crazy and doesn't make any sense. But like that's basically where he was coming from was just like I'm going to like almost scam you into giving me way more than than I deserve for this deal. Uh, Just because you, you, you think you need the trade goods right now and I've put you in a bidding war and I've come down from my original offer and it feels like a good deal suddenly.
1: God, you're so, like, you were so lit up in I just was talking so about all that about right it's, now. It's right. wild.
0: I mean, it's truly wild to see him get away with it, but it's it works, and, like, it, there's no reason not to ask, basically, is what I yeah. learned from Jensen. Like, hey, ask for whatever. The player may... Have a really specific thing in mind, and you may not know that they absolutely need those two trade goods. That's a good. To point. you, it That's might just be two point. trade goods, but for them, those two trade goods could be a point or whatever. And if you don't see it, if you don't make the offer, then you never get those crazy deals. So right. the only way you're going to get a crazy deal is if you ask for one. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, he he had
1: a very good uh, consistency with like basically always kind of asking for the most possible the biggest thing you could ask for and then kind of scaling down from there right uh it was uh it was a very very good round and basically for me after round two i was i i had to leave for 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 mummy's birthday so at this point
0: i'm in the same position as you yeah i'm gonna catch you up to speed um so round three was a little bit more of kind of a reversion to the mean which is to say uh Joel Norman. What did, what did you just say? What is it? Re- reversion to the mean or reverting to the mean? It's an economic thing.
1: Uh, okay, I thought you said something else. I no. thought you said reverting to the meme, and I was. Uh, to the meme. Go ahead. Just, just <laughs> continue. Uh,
0: so, y- round three was when people started to notice, like, you know what? We're kind of letting Jensen get too much and like i think at one point jensen pulled someone aside for a secret conversation and you know he stepped away with that person and immediately the other four players were like okay we have to stop letting jensen get away with anything um it should be worth, we didn't say this in that in that round two trade where he was getting all of this stuff uh that was like two turns after he took mechatol as well right this was jolnar who just took the custodian's point, sitting on Mechatol, getting two ceasefires and all this stuff. So round three is when people went, we, we gave too much. We let Jolnar, we're we're letting Jolnar get off easy and we need to start doing something about it. Um, Now, I wouldn't say people started acting on that in round three, but the table meta was starting to turn against Jensen uh, in round three. And that's also the round that Jensen started kind of lashing out and and trying to go for other objectives that forced him to get into people's slices um so at one point uh jensen was trying to possibly get adjacent to ghosts home system and so he was making a move for that and that started to anger the ghosts when he started to come near uh and so he had to make some deals just to calm the ghosts down and by the end of the round uh he had jumped over to the adjacent to the mentak slice so jensen needed to get Uh, adjacent to a home system for a a victory point so we as the commentators kind of knew this going into it and we're seeing all those moves to try to get around Um, and with gravity drive and dread two he he jumped his dreadnoughts three spaces over to mentax uh home system and that got him some more points and so by the time we went into round four and jensen pulling off kind of mean maneuvers the table was like officially no more no more NAR crap. We're not putting up with this and he stopped getting the better end of deals. He was still getting some deals. He 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 was okay at like precision picking the person who actually might be in a weak position or whatever, but more than anything, uh the ghosts had completely had it up to here with with him. Uh there was no more wiggle room to be had um from Monty and uh in general, um things were starting to turn against him. But round 4 is also when we saw most of the other players kind of doing typical sit in their slice, claim their points. It was a lot of campy objectives. Um, and Nalu had made a big push to build a bunch of fighters. Nalu uh, upgraded to space dock two very quickly in slice of the Gashly, which I thought was really fun. He skipped straight to space dock two. So he was immediately ready to start pumping out fighters really, really fast. Um, and he, he had hybrid crystal fighter two as well. And, the agenda phase after he pumped out a ton of fighters, uh, he got completely dunked on by a wormhole research agenda that made him uh, lose all of his ships in wormhole systems, which he had Lador and a space dock on it, and that was like eight or ten or something fighters. And he also had just made a push using the Krius IFF to put it into extra space. He had pushed into extra space and had all of his stuff still sitting on top of the fake wormhole. Uh, So he had two systems that got hit by wormhole research and he lost effectively his entire fleet. I think he had one carrier and like two fighters left over after that. Oh my God. So he spent the, he spent the next two rounds building back up from that. I mean, he, he got, and he, during that agenda phase, he was offering everything he could to get people to, to, not crush him but he wasn't the only one getting kind of hurt by it and so there wasn't there just was never enough he could pay to to help them out so it was it was really sad to see i was really excited to see his next couple rounds because he was kind of just about to really start firing on all cylinders and then he just lost all of his forward momentum
1: well did he did he try like support for the throne and gift of the prescience he didn't
0: he didn't try a gift of the prescience which i applaud i mean it's it's just too much it it was really I don't applaud most, that. It was really I think, mostly only fighters that he lost. It. That's the right. thing is. Yes, he lost a lot of ships, but they were all very cheap ships. So it's a little bit hard to say how devastating it is. Um, he probably could have offered Gift of Depressions, but you know he decided not to. But he was offering support for the throne, but nobody was really taking it.
1: I, th- I think that that situation sounds like a, a time that I would give anybody anything. Yeah, to, to not to not lose that to save because that's it's, a, major it's, it's the timing. Fleets. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I can't lose my whole fleet around four. Yeah, like that's, you know, maybe round two. I might right. come back from that, but it's like it's just it's just there's not enough time. It doesn't it's not really a money thing. It's uh we don't have enough time to produce all of these units right. again right. and then also move them out. There. Right. That's the problem.
0: Yeah. And 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 that did prove to be the problem. So I think looking back, maybe he would have rather given up Gift of the prescience. But uh but uh going into round five, so Nalu had just been crushed. Round five, I, I don't particularly being like crazy memorable besides just like people really posturing for, for you know, well round six or round seven is always kind of the final round. So round right. five was that. Was that calm before the storm, like, okay, let's all build up and try to try to make this final push happen. Um, and going into round six, we had four players at the top, all within striking distance. So effectively a very, very close game, right at the end of the match. Um who there, who was who was there? So we had X Cha with the speaker token, and X Cha was was in striking distance. And then tied i'm I'm actually pulling up the video right now so i can double check what it looked like um we had jolnar at eight ghosts Xcha and nalu at seven and then arborek at five and mentak at three but i mean a four-player pack right there at the top with right X-Chaw leading into Nalu as the first two picking strategy cards, so two players at seven picking first, uh, Joel R picking last again, and they're the ones in the lead. so right. it was a it was a very like oh this could <laughs> this could kind of go anywhere depending on what everybody has. Um, there was a world in which uh, ghosts could even win. it was kind of a matter. it was one of those things of like, well, if so and so fails this thing and the other people, like I, I could potentially score before them, whatever. There's a lot of things that could block and a lot of kind of those chance things where you're not able to block everybody, but because everybody's working towards it, you, you end up with the throne. So I think it was a pretty even chance of all four of them. But the, the big kind of disaster of the final round was something we've seen so many times in games, which is um, because so many people are jockeying for position, everyone's looking at their own path. And not looking enough at other people's paths and seeing if there's an easy path. And then x had uh, Imperial. It also just so happened x had two sabotages and an instant training. So even though a public disgrace didn't come out, there was no chance they were going to get public disgrace. Right, like x right. had Imperial. That was always going to happen. Um, but more importantly, x had a two-point objective in the bag with three unit upgrades And just nobody was looking. Nobody looked at his upgrades. Nobody thought. And and there was only one player in a position to take any home planets from Extra. They actually could have done it. And I think the two players uh, simulated the battle after the fact. And I think Extra ended up losing a planet in their home system in their simulated battle. But the player that needed to jump on Extra's home system wasn't paying attention to that at the time because their action was very first up. And he missed his opportunity. And so on extra's first turn at the end of the, you know, first turn order, he played Imperial and won, And that, that was the game. So one of those kind of like us sitting behind the camera, you know, not focusing on our own game can just see it clear as day. And so we're kind of sitting that whole round going, well, extra has it. Nobody's doing anything. Extra's got it. Um, But to all the players, it was, you know, it was a photo finish trying to get there until they realized it was too late. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that that's a tough one, because it sounds like uh, Extra
1: took took uh, the right strategy card the round before, being right. politics, exactly. getting the speaker token, and then it's not like Extra knew that a two-point was going to come out that they could do, right but then that happened. Uh, I would say, man, three-unit upgrades, it's always a good idea to research three-unit upgrades, because right. it's not
0: hard to do. It's and, not; it's
1: the easiest one to do, yeah. and I've seen it come out plenty of times. And right. I'm just like, oh, I've got that already. Right. I'm good. You're
0: always guaranteed two points if you just do like, yeah. When when it comes yeah. out, it's just too big of a deal to not already have that in the bag. Like I don't even like to be in a position where when it comes out, I need to research the, th- yeah. the third because right. then you need the command counter, you need the resources to do it. Right. It's nice to just get it out of the way early. Like I I get the argument for holding on to it and and waiting it out, but you're going to benefit from having three unit upgrades like that's that's three units that are better. So you might as well you might as well do it um, because yeah. then, then you're sitting very comfortable in a final round situation like that. That's cool.
1: So the, f- the winner of the first game was uh, Alex was Alex? playing as the
0: extra kingdom. Extra kingdom in dangerous Diplo with a round one first pick Diplo won the game. So annoying! I am so (laughs) annoyed. Uh,
1: Is there? I I would like to hear some. What's what kind of game did he play? Extra wise, like what was it? The flagship and the PDS network, like kind of normal style, or like
0: what? What did they go with? They. This is fun. um, They never built their flagship. Oh, cool! I I actually like that. I like that. He said in one of the last rounds he was actually planning to build the flagship and then. Some other objective came up or something else came up and he was just like, I don't, I don't have time this round to, to get it. At one point, I know uh, the objective eight resources, spend eight resources came out. So that blocked it in the mid game. Right. Right. Um, and then after that, he just never found an excuse to get it. Um, people were too focused on hurting Jolnar. Um, his Nalu neighbor got crushed by a big agenda. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. I mean, really, it was a it was an extra who had exactly what extra needs. A bunch of objectives that kind of fit within their slice. Neighbors that don't have any incentive to make like pincer strikes at any other weak points. And he had really good like cruiser and dreadnought. He, he just got lots of ships out there and just kept them everywhere. And he had a, he had a decent PDS network near his home. So that was keeping his home safe. And he, he just sat comfortably and he got Mechatol at the right time. Um, yeah, that, that's wow. what ended up really winning him the game was was taking Mechatol um, when he had Imperial. So it was a, actually the way it worked is he he took it like the round before and Jensen or er, Mentak bailed on uh, Mechatol Rex. And it was really funny because everyone was convinced someone had like paid MenTac to leave Mechatol Rex. And mm-hmm. that was this is what Alex said. That was the round he was going to build the flagship. But then he had. One turn where Mechatol was open, and if he didn't take it, Ghost could have taken it, Jolnar could have taken it, Arborek could have taken it. All these other people right. could have jumped right. on it, and he was like, "I'm the first one with a turn after Mentak bailed on it. I have to, I have to go there, and that's like my last command token. So I guess I'm not building the flagship this round. I guess I'm getting Mechatol, and then that the next round won him the game. So,
1: oh, that's how you should do just, it. I mean, like you got to do, just, just you got to do a what you got to gotta do. Mechatol. <laughs> Yeah, just but no. It it, that it is,
0: about, it is about being in the right position at the right time and, and just being available to scoring opportunities. Cool. So it was, it was very cool, uh, and it was, it was good to see. Uh, it was, I was glad to see him win it, if only because I didn't want the story of the first game to be Jolnar got let through, Jolnar got paid a million things, Jolnar won. Yeah. That, that would have, even though Jensen would have played a really strong game to win that game, everyone in the community would have been like oh pfft, jensen wins his jolnar whoop-dee-doo like it, it it would have been a kind of infamous game i think otherwise so i'm I'm yeah. i think i think i'm happy to see somebody else come on top uh, especially it being an extra in dangerous diplo that that feels really juicy wow <laughs> what i'm not allowed to root for that
1: I I I just I feel like you're kind of coming out kind of hard against him a little
0: bit. <laughs> He's the enemy of 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 me on the Discord because he likes to talk about philosophy and I won't stand for it. So I will okay. always I will always root against Jensen publicly. Duly noted. Don't Duly talk noted. about
1: philosophy. Matt doesn't like it. <laughs> Matt doesn't like your your smart people talk. Please <laughs> please get that away from me. More cardboard, please. More, More plastic. cardboard, please. I want to talk about fake. Science fiction ships. Don't talk about, you know, what is real. Well what is reality.
0: Hunter, on that note, I want to get you back in on the conversation of talking about cardboard and stuff, but to do that, I think we have to do something we haven't done for the past two weeks. Uh it we need to we need to go do some errata.
1: Yeah, let's do errata. I don't know
0: if we can still find it, but I'm I'm gonna go look for our errata.
1: Well, I got the errata gun right here. Ch-ch-ch. <laughs> Ch-ch-ch. I'm shooting the errata gun and it shoots all the errata everywhere. Now it's all over the walls, and then we just read it off to you. <laughs> Welcome to uh, it's errata time. We done we messed up. Actually we didn't really mess up. We're just we got something fun to do today, uh, because last week we got to play our little game uh, and talk about all right. of the faction tiers. Uh, and pretend that we're oh so important, and that our opinion is so important. Yeah. So now we're going to talk not. about all your opinions Yay. on um, what the tiers are for uh, Twilight Imperium, and we're starting with um, Milty, uh, who's just posting uh, the survey they did back in September of the perceived faction strength. Where did they do this survey? So was this, this, on... was,
0: this was just like uh, I, they posted it uh, a few places, I think Reddit, BoardGameGeek, but they, they had a, a, you know, a small section of the, the TI community doing exactly what we're talking about. Um, this wasn't in specific tiers, but Milty went ahead and put it in our tier list order. So this was just ranked first to last. So, yeah, this, this is Miltie's, uh community tier list, and I think it fits pretty well with ours.
1: Yeah, it's almost exactly the same as mine actually really um i wasn't looking that closely yeah at it. But. it's it's
0: almost
1: it, it's almost literally the same and there's just like a few things switched around but uh there there's is uh s tier jolnar soul nalu sar a tier hakan isaral barony l1 b tier necro c tier ghost yin extra mentak D-tier, Arborek, Sardak, Winu, and Embers. Yeah,
0: I was surprised to see Embers below Winu. Um, I don't know what that's about, but everything else in there makes pretty much total sense. Um, Hakan, I think, is favored just by the community in terms of, like, I don't know, more more about perceived strength of Hakon, I guess, maybe than actual strength. I don't know. Well, right, yeah. Maybe you disagree. Games. Yeah, I just dis- yeah. I disagree with where that Hakan ended up sitting, but you know what? They they're the ones with the majority, so I will I will sit back and let that one happen. Um, yeah,
1: too much of you, Matt. <laughs> like too much of you. But and, just being and, and we're like, not going to read think, off I like... think this.
0: This is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to read off a million uh tier lists because honestly, most of them were pretty similar to ours. That's kind of why I decided to to put this one in the errata where it's like, yeah, this this is a general idea of the consensus of the community um but i did have to do two um two really notable ones uh because unaligned magi and our friend alex lilburn both have tier lists that are uh, i'm gonna say it beforehand completely stupid uh actually magi is, is serious and he was posting it in our discord and people were like wait is magi trolling us right now and he's not but this is certainly, uh, this is Unaligned Magi's personal opinion of a faction tier list. I'm gonna run through it. Uh, a- S tier, Clan of Sar, Federation of Soul, Necrovirus, Isaral Tribes. Uh, notice anything weird so far, Hunter? Nope. N- no, you don't? No, 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 Julnar doesn't throw you off? Nope, doesn't uh, a- throw me off. A tier, Nalu Collective, Barony Oletnev. The L1Z1X mine Net and the Yin Brotherhood still no Jolnar. B tier, middle of the road, Universities of Jolnar. I love it. C tier, Mentak Coalition, Arborek, Ghost of Sardak Nor, and D tier, Excha, Hakan, Muat, Winu. So he he kind of That's agrees bold. with you about the Hakan Yeah, thing. Yeah. That they're that they're it's it's their, their potential can be high, but because they rely so much on the meta, I, I do think it ends up um, hurting them. But yeah, that, that Jolnar pick is crazy. Uh, his argument is basically like it's really easy to crush a Jolnar if you decide too early enough. The meta works against Jolnar enough to, to lower them in his book. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I definitely disagree with this list, but it is a fun list to point out and let people kind of kind of talk through. So I'll let Magi uh, defend that one. Um, I I like it. I think it's good. Yeah. Like yeah. I.
1: I I think that this is actually a good kind of counterpoint list in general. Like this is not right. to me this does not read as trolly at all. And no, I totally I actually, get. I
0: don't actually think it's trolly. That there were some people saying that, but I, I don't think it's trolly. But it is bold. It's 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 sort of like a couple of my choices even where it's like I've decided to push this lower than most people would because I don't want people to overstate it being good or whatever. You know, like you, right. you kind of counterbalance the positive the 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 outlook for certain factions. Uh, but let's do Alex's, because Alex's... I'll say this at the top. Uh, he, he said his is based on how much fun he has playing them and how much fun he has when other people play them. So this is oh. a fun This is a fun factor tier list. S tier, Mentak, Necro, Nalu, and Yin. A <laughs> tier is Ghosts, Barony, and Arborek. B tier, L1Z1X. L1Z1 is just a faction to... So, Alex, they are neither fun right. nor not fun. Right. C-tier, Sardak, Muwa, Excha, Winu, and D-tier. And this one is specifically notable that it is less fun to play against than it is fun to play Winu. That's how Alex worded this. All of these factions are less fun to play against than the amount of fun he has when he plays Winu. Right. Uh, so, D-tier, Sar, Universities of Jolnar, Sol, and Hakan. So of course most people's S tier are is, is his D tier. Just not, That's not great. fun to be up against.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I totally get this one. I I especially get Hakan being at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, because he really ha- like, hates
0: Hakan right now. He is depending, a big kicker of, of not into them.
1: <laughs> I mean, depending on the playstyle of the person playing Hakan, like a uh, one Hakan in your game could like triple the length of right. the game. Right. Yeah. If if they're like. a
0: very smart, diligent Hakan they will completely suck all of the fun out of the game in yeah, this, and their yeah. quest for ultimate deal making.
1: <laughs> right, right. They will put, put the, the fun in a sleeper hold and just <laughs> ch- choke it out. Just yeah. choke it out. I uh, love them. Love both of them. They're great. Very good list. Very good list. Much better than our stupid list. <laughs> um, speaking,
0: speaking of our list, Lexi's got, Lexi's got some stuff to say, some fun things to point out actually. Um, so so Lexi says, so one thing I'm noting about the S tiers in, in both yours and my faction, so really what we de- declared is like the top five factions, they, they have a lot of things in common. Um, each of those five factions has two strong faction tech. Uh, they all either start with neural motivator, anti-mass deflectors, or both, and they all have multiple strong faction abilities, any one of which... Would be enough to qualify them for a C tier faction at minimum. Yeah. So things like if just Sars' ability to score public objectives without controlling your home system—that is enough to just be a C tier faction. Sure. Um, same as Joel or a uh, uh, Soul gaining an extra command counter. That's—I mean—that's enough to just qualify. You're a C tier faction with that alone.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I I. I like the comment that they all start with either Neural Motivator or or Anti-Mass Deflectors because I think that obviously both those techs are pretty important, but I think it has more to do with the fact that you start with a green or a blue, meaning you have some sort of access to the better path, basically,
0: tech-wise. You start ahead of the game on the most important tech path.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that really goes a long way because that like kind of shapes your whole game starting right. from the beginning. Right. Um <laughs> but like I don't think just Neuromotivators like ability is the is the thing. Is the I think crux. it's I, no, you're right. Right, yeah. right. It's, it's it's where it's they, about where the where you color from there. Yeah. It's right. about the color
0: right. more than anything.
1: Uh this next one is from Viking Ship and he says that uh he strongly disagrees that Winu should be placed in the same tier as Sardak Noor. If anything, Winu should be placed in an even lower tier than that—a special tier
0: yeah. for only Winu. This this uh, is actually a decent argument that I saw echoed a few times, which is really just more that I mean, it's it's a flaw in our stupid tier system, which was the 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 least thought we put into this tier list was the structure of the tier list, right? Yeah. We just for sure. we just arbitrarily decided four four one four four. Um, but there's a good case to be made for the fact that, like, Sardak Nor is not as bad as Winu, or even Muat, or depending on how you feel about Arborek, like, for me, I I don't even, I I don't know, maybe Sardak and Arborek are on the same footing, but but Muat and Winu definitely below belong on a lower rung, and Winu probably even more so, um... So I I agree with this point. This is this is just a big stupid flaw in our you know choice to make it a completely arbitrary list.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that like after you get uh, embers and winu down at the bottom rung, there's a lot that changes to right. that. Like and if you can fill in the blank with anybody in any list, because I feel like it's pretty like it does feel like overall people feel that muat and winu belong at the bottom. But right. like no one's really as bad as those two right. are, or right. are that noticeable, anyways. Um, yeah. All right.
0: Uh, Topaz Dragon five six seven six says, um, and this is actually kind of a string of questions, um, so I'm gonna read them all off, and then we'll we'll answer. I never got to play third edition, but I'm curious on your opinion about the comparison between the two. Do you think that the differences between the best mediocre and worst factions in fourth edition is bigger or smaller than in third edition in other words is the gap between the best and the worst bigger or smaller uh in actually let's stop there and then we'll we'll pick up the rest of the question questions so hunter what do you think is the is the gap between the best and worst faction bigger or smaller in ti4 versus ti3 um Mm, this is a this is a very difficult question
1: to this answer. This is difficult,
0: especially because we weren't as good at Ti three as we have gotten over a long period of time, and with Ti four. Um, um, I think I'm just gonna say
1: that it's smaller. But the only case I have to answer that is that it did feel like Isaril was so much better than everything else that it was just for sure the best faction in right. third edition.
0: Right. In and, Joel Nar, you, in, in Jolnar's case in fourth edition, you can make a case to me that may, they're maybe not the best. There's actually an yeah. argument to be made right. there. Right, right. Um, in TI3, there was no argument. Yeah. Isaurl was the best, and you, there's just nothing you could say that would ever sway my opinion.
1: But if you, if you take Isaurl out, I don't know how imbalanced it. You know what I mean? Like, like it wasn't af- that
0: bad after, after Isaurl. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, I'm trying to think of what the worst faction in TI3 was. Some people say Yin. Um, for the longest time, I was pretty firmly, I believed it would be, either be Excha or Arborek. I, I really disliked Excha in TI3, or, or just in terms of like, I thought they were very bad. Yeah, I thought they had nothing that helped them get points, and they were just a useless. No, they they faction. were they
1: were really bad. Uh, extra, I, I I second the Arborek thing because I liked playing. I always have loved Arborek. right? So I liked playing Arborec in third edition, but it was such a chore, and yeah. it was very difficult and not yes. very much fun. Right, um, but I I'm gonna edge it out and say extra is a little bit worse. But I don't think there is actually like this is a very. Like cool question, but I actually don't think that there is much of a significant difference between like I think like balance wise it's a similar situation.
0: Yeah, it kind of not
1: it's not hugely different. Besides no. the Isaril thing, which is like that's kind of a weird note, and then like you know like Sar and Arborek, there was like different rules in place for production, oh, right. which made them like neither a much of those more factions difficult. were
0: nearly as effective. Um, but but the, the gap between them I don't think was it certainly wasn't enough to be that noteworthy. Yeah. If it if, if there is a difference, it's pretty minor. Um I think I would give it to T I three having the bigger gap though, purely because of that Asarl thing. I mean it was just yeah. such a it was such a known entity that Asarl was ridiculous. Um and I won't go into all the mechanics as to why that was, but I mean they had two C four I with double move carriers from the start and like also the ability to to always be the last player acting in every single turn. Yeah, it was insane. So like their surprise attack ability was out the window. Yeah. Um so Topaz Dragon follows up. There's a few more questions here. In regards to Jolnar, do you think that their implementation in 4th edition was a mistake? Do you think they are uh they're too good um has a, a, an overall identity in the game. Like are are they just so obviously divined as being way too good. Personally, I think they have way too much going for them. It almost feels like they can have more trade goods than the factions that are good at making trade goods. They can have better PDS than the factions that are good at making PDS. It just seems like they were given too much in 4th edition.
1: Um. Well, so the first question is, was their impl- implementation a mistake? Which I think is like, that's kind of... That's pretty bold, I think, to claim. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything that's a mistake about their no. implementation. I think, I think what what, you're, what Topaz Dragon is talking about towards the end there is more just like the kind of yin and yang to balance. Right. Um, which it's hard with a game like Twilight Imperium because like we were just talking for at length about a game where essentially a Jolnar player had such a great start into a second round where they traded like they were Hakan yeah. and got away with so much. Uh, but then people got scared and they did not end up winning the game. Right. So like... Right. It's, it's so
0: hard to equate that then.
1: and Which is maybe possibly like a good reason that we shouldn't have... Like faction tier lists are kind of silly. Right. In this way, like comparing them all, it's there's way too many variables in a game of Twilight Imperium right. for it to be easy to predict how well... Uh, things are going to do. Now, it sounds like Topaz might just have encountered a handful of very, very good Jolnar yes. players. That Which is made certainly a
0: thing. Right. Now, I, I, I will say that, so what's interesting to me about Jolnar is I feel like they were designed in such a way of like, on a basic level, all their stuff, I think is well designed. Like their ability to get a lot of tech despite having a minus one, that's pretty good. Um, where things start to fall off a little bit is the fact that, their promissory note basically doesn't follow the rules of any other faction's promissory note. Mm-hmm. There's is the only promissory note where they lose absolutely. Maybe not the that's only, but one of the right. very few promissory notes where they lose nothing by the yeah. person playing it. So they only have a positive promissory note for other players. So that's a little weird. Add to that e siphons is probably the most broken thing about them e siphons could be two trade goods gained when you get targeted, and it would still be a good tech right Four trade goods is is quite a lot um and then finally, because of the tech objectives, starting with four tech is is a big deal, not to mention. It almost feels like they really didn't need to start with four tech when their whole ability is the fact that they're going to gain late game tech really fast. So why do you need to start them with the ability to claim any level three tech right from the get go? Yeah, they start with all the level or not level three. But, you know, they start with level zero. They can claim any level two tech immediately, which seems kind of extreme. They, They could have started with one tech and still been just as strong in the early game.
1: Yeah, but Matt, but we want that like that, you know, everybody starts with one of the tags. No, it's, gotta, and then, be, like, it's gotta be it's gotta be nice
0: and 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 it's symmetrical. Symmetrical. And- <laughs> like
1: come on, Matt. Shut up, Matt. Come yeah, on. Uh,
0: honestly, all those things are really fine in a vacuum. It's when you put all of them together that it gets ridiculous. The only one that I, I would actually hope for a redesign of is e Siphons, which I don't think we're going to really get any of that kind of stuff. I don't no. think we're really going to see any um, patches come out if there's an expansion or anything like that. But the only one I would consider being like a, oh, well, that's okay, um, would be E-Res Siphons being less trade goods and and maybe some patches to Winu. But But beyond that, I I don't see any need for anything to change.
1: I, I think that that it's... Where we started in this conversation, uh, talking about how much better Isaril was in 3rd edition, I don't feel that way about Jolnar in 4th edition. Yeah. Like, they still have an Achilles heel that yeah, is they absolutely do.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, to, to prove that point is Unaligned Magi's tier list. I mean, there are players out there who are not impressed by Jolnar, and they're like, you know what? Right. I, can easily, I can easily dispatch a Jolnar. That, I'm not worried about them in the slightest. Right, And that just proves that they're like not that big of a thing to worry about. I don't know of anybody who wasn't afraid of Isaral a- a tribes in TI3. Yeah,
1: it was lame. It was straight up like kind of, yeah, oh man. I rem- we,
0: d- we got to a point so
1: quickly with TI3 where we would just be like, uh, nobody can play Isaral. Right. Yeah, like, we just stopped, we stopped
0: letting them in the game. It was like a treat to have a game where we're like, okay, we're going to let Asarl tribes be in this one. Um, but more, more often than not, we just completely pulled them out of the game.
1: All right, cool. Well, I just got off a plane. Does Hunter uh, want to go
0: to bed?: Is Hunter, Hunter sleepy? Uh,
1: yeah Hunter is uh, sleepy. Hunter's been traveling all day, so you can check out our sleepy Twitter for <laughs> sleepy game updates and sleepy announcements. That's at Space Cats Pod,
0: There's no Z's. Um, oh no, he's tricking you. You can
1: go to our Facebook for, to see our dreams. And we post, We have a dream journal there on our Facebook page. You can check that out. Uh, we don't dream. Actually, whoa, I just remembered a dream I had last night. Uh, I had a dream that I was playing a new edition of Twilight Imperium. And <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, and all I can really remember it about good? it is the pieces were a lot bigger. Whoa. And it came with, you know how people do that really cool thing where they will like, uh, Take like styrofoam balls and they'll make like little planets, yeah. like actual planets. Right. And then they'll like put those down. Yeah, it just came that way. Came huh. out the box that way. <laughs> TI 5th edition, which we'll probably never get or maybe it'll be a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remembered I had to dream of that. And, and also I remember that there was a faction in the new version of TI 5 that was just the Klingons. From Star Trek. <laughs> like, they like actually, like I had this symbol and everything, uh-huh. and I was like, is this legal? And they were like, it's fine.
0: We can do what uh, we want.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, you can check out our sleepy subreddit, not our subreddit, but you can check out the Twilight Imperium subreddit for weekly posts and sleepy discussions and talking about dreams and stuff. Um, you can check out the BGG Guild, um, so you can see RoboFish's dreams, where he keeps a little dream journal. And he also posts his funny takes on each episode of the show. Which those are my the only thing I like uh, in the world. Uh, you you can you can check out our Patreon and there's benefits there. There's bennies. There's uh, you can hand us zenny for some bennies. Um, and, the jets. and with a new a new tier being created right now, the dream tier. Um, you give me a piece of chocolate and I will tell you a story. Mm. Mm, fun, fun. You, you could, you could, you could check out a Discord for a fun conversation, and you can get some of those sweet, sweet bennies for your zenny. <laughs> um, you, you should rate this podcast. You should rate it. Five out of five stars. Five out of five sleepy stars. Five uh-huh. out of five Zs. Shooting stars. Shooting stars. Uh, Rate uh, the more you know. Uh, and rated it on Apple Podcasts and iTunes so that Tim Cook can see how good we're doing for his platform. <laughs> I want to thank some Patreoners. I want to thank the Space Kitties. I want to thank Jim Bovie. I want to thank Dustin Doom. I want to thank Mac, the cartographer of Chaos, uh, who, God, that is so, the maps, the the map. All the maps
0: are good. Are you still, still thinking about the dirty map he gave you there? I'm
1: thinking about the dirty map, and I'm kind of going back there now. I think I'm going to have a nightmare I, about can it. Can I
0: tell you what's what's been happening recently? What? Um, so Yin for Life, who you're going to say his name in a moment, Yin for Life uh, has a plan for his, his Space Kitty episode, and he mm-hmm. just recently commissioned Mac to make a map for his uh, episode of Terror that he's going to inflict upon you. Oh, um, okay. So... We're going to just really, we're going to go to heck in a handbasket for Hunter um, for Yin for Life. Um, go on, thank him. I want to I hear you thank Yin for Life before he ruins your life.
1: I want to thank Frederick Durston, Nathan Svenson, and. for Life. <laughs> Monty, Mike, No Big Deal Man, Jensen, Robert, and Alex.
0: Those are the people that played those. Those are game. the people that played. I wanted to thank all of them. Um, I want to do the play of the week. The play of the week this week is from Jensen. Uh, I figured this was a perfect time to give a Jensen play of the week since we just heard a bunch of plays of the week from Jensen. But let's hear one from his point of the view. <clears throat> point of view. Did I say point of the view? Point of view. The game was drawing to a close. The Federation of Soul and the Embers of Muwat were both on six points with a two-point objective set up for them, and we were all counting on at least one secret hitting the table. I was the L1Z1X mind net sitting in the back with four points. The previous round, I had begun something of a comeback, building a war sun with fires of the Gashly and picking up a few ceasefires and other promissory notes thanks to the threats that I made. When the 16 influence objective was revealed, I resigned myself to trade, but hit the brakes when I saw the tantalizing offer of Imperial. I had one harrowing war sun at my disposal, and Mekatol would be a fairly easy prize, but there was this problem. I had promised the Winu on the previous round that I would not take Mekatol from them this round. So I needed an in. So I whispered to the fed... This is on Tabletop Simulator. So I whispered to the federation about the dangers of Winu. Winu was at five points with the 16 influence objective in hand and had the speaker token for easy imperial next round. Soul was my best option. I whispered to him about... Oh, hello. Double, double copy. Uh, I offered to move one of my dreads out of his path so he could take a stab at it. He agreed on the condition that I leave a single infantry behind on a planet. I agreed, moved out of the way, and let him crash onto Mechatol with 14 infantry against Winu's 15. Space Cannon Defense and major Defense Grid gave Winu a fighting chance, but the Spec Ops 2s were relentless and won the battle. With Winu cleared out, I now had my own chance for the throne. However, this would mean that I would lack the ships to deal with Sol and stop his points. So... I turned to Muat, warning him of the danger of Soul. I counted up Soul's influence for Muat and told him of the deal Soul had made over my infantry. Make an example of their world was soon to follow, I warned. All it would take would be a single invasion, invade one system, destroy my infantry, and capture one of Soul's planets, to deny him not only his secret objective, but also his stage to public. He readily agreed and executed the attack. I moved into Mechatol, grabbed it from Sol's Spec Ops with Frightening Bombardment, and flipped in on the same turn to score my own 16-influence objective. I moved up three points, and Sol was now stuck with nothing to score. My last problem was Muak, comfortable in a stage two until I played Unstable Planet on Mir and set him below the mark. At the end of the round... I was on Mechatol with eight points and both Soul and Muat had been de- denied not only their stage two objectives, but also their secret objectives. Life was good for my brother's the mind net. Uh, yeah, Jensen uh Jensen, Jensen just pits people against each other in, in interesting ways. He makes everyone yeah. else do his dirty work for him.
1: I really like his meta. Like, I really liked how he negotiated the trade. The way he was doing I it sucks that 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 video does not exist anymore because it was like pretty solid and this is super cool too. This is like some weird like reverse little piggy stuff (laughs) where he's like convincing like the piggies to turn on each other. Like one at a time, and then he's the wolf in the end. It would be like if the three little pigs was like, they're all together, and then the wolf comes over and is like, hey, you know your brother that has that house made of straw? He's
0: been talking crap on you. He's
1: been talking crap, and you should go blow his house down. (laughs) And then, like, that works? And then there's only one one pig left at the end, and then he just gets He's like,
0: you should jump in the oven. He's like, well, I'm gonna go jump in the oven, I guess. I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea that the wolf told me to do. I am so tired. Hunter, good night. I release you from this prison yeah. of sleepy time long day uh, record podcasts when you get home. You, you are done, and I'll, I'm see done. You, I'll see you next week.
1: I need to ask you something. Was I a good boy?
0: Hunter, you were, mm-hmm. you were such a good boy. That's you were good. such a good boy. No, I'm, don't make I'm it insulting. So, no, it's not I insulting. Just Hunter, I, a, look look Hunter, I, I mean, just wanted to know if I was a Don't be condescending about it. Look at me. I just wanted to know if I was a good look boy. At me. I'm really proud of you.
1: Okay, but that, you're putting all too much stank on it, okay? <laughs> I was just checking in to be like, was I a good boy? And you got to do it like, yo, yeah, no, you're great. You're such a good boy. And it's like, I just, I, sometimes you just want a little pat on your head and to get a treat.
0: Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and Ben Com. Pax magnifica, bellum gloriosum.